Today's scripture reading comes from John 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thank you so much. Amen. Thanks be to God. Good morning. 945 at Ebenezer Church. How are you all this morning? Amen. I am so grateful that you all are here today. I hope that you're just as grateful um, to be in church on Sunday and to live with full expectation that God's going to do something great today. Amen. Can we give God thanks for that this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, I got to tell you, I've been enjoying the sermon series that we're in. I am. Uh, it's been an incredible one. Uh, we're in part four of our message series, I Am Today. And we're taking another deeper dive into Jesus' identity and Jesus' ministry. Jesus and others throughout scripture and through Jesus' ministry had made clear that his identity was a unique one. They called Jesus many things like messenger, the one, rabbi, and teacher. But Jesus gives us more insight as to who he truly is and the purpose for which he has come to this earth. You see, it's Jesus that really seeks to do the ironing out of who and determining of who Jesus is. He wants to proclaim himself who he is to the world and then therefore who he is to us. So then he provides us with these I am statements to lean on and to recall in our memory as we think about who Jesus is to us personally and then who Jesus is to be and is in the world. These I am statements that are recorded in John establish Jesus's unique nature and his identity as the son of God and as the source of all eternal life. But not only eternal life thereafter, but life right now. As a witness, Jesus establishes his identity and uses these unique opportunities to teach his disciples and many thereafter to lean in a little bit more, to experience him in a new way. And for those who deeply desire to follow Jesus, to then take the next faithful step and put in their full trust in him and begin going a little deeper. So far, we've heard about Jesus, the light of the world. We've heard about Jesus, the bread of life, and we've heard of Jesus, the good shepherd, the light of the world being the light in our lives, the bread of life being sustenance in our lives, and the good shepherd being the guide and direction in our lives. And today we uncover and we hear from Jesus and learn from Jesus, Jesus, the true vine, the one who invites us into a life of deep connectedness. Let us pray. 
God, we are so grateful for all the ways that, God, you caretake after us. For all the ways that you take responsibility over the vineyard, God. And you know exactly what it is that each of us need. So with the seeds, God, that you plant and that you're able to plant, we ask that you plant them deep down in the place of the human heart where Pastor Donovan was never designed to plant. And God, do the work there that Pastor Donovan was never designed to do. But God, you can. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is also a Lenten series, might I ask, because we're in the season of Lent, a season within the Christian year and Christian calendar. Uh, the season of Lent for Christians is a time of reflection and fasting for Christians. This season is intended to be a time of cleansing and pruning and taking away. It's also a season where we begin to cut back things in our lives or cut away things from our lives so that we could then therefore take something on in hopes of taking the next faithful step in our faith. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of repentance. It's a time of engaging in spiritual discipline. And for Christians who really are looking to take their faith to the next level is how I like to put this. They focus on their relationship with God and how God may be wanting to transform them from the inside out. They also look forward to the joyous time where we celebrate Christ's victory at Easter time, where we together celebrate who Jesus is and how Jesus has set us free. That's a part of our identity, too. And it's the identity that we get to celebrate on Christmas, a free Jesus, a resurrected Jesus and a new and free and resurrected us. I got to tell you that as we've been going through these few weeks of Lent, Lent has been hard on your old pastor, Donovan. It has been. I'm telling the truth today. It's been hard. Before deciding what I would give up at the beginning of Lent, I took time to pray about what it could be. You see, I'm at that point of my life where I want for the thing that I give up to have something that's mean to, to do something and to have something that's meaningful. For example, I've done these Lenten, uh, these Lenten fasts before, and oftentimes when I would fast, I would give up TV. Now I gotta tell you, I don't have much time to watch TV, so that was an easy off-ramp, right? <laughs> also, I would give up things like not riding with the radio on in the car, I would ride silently. Well, I'm already a silent rider, so that didn't hurt as much. <laughs> Where are my silent riders in the house tonight, today? <laughs> silent riders? Yeah, that's me. So before I would take these easy escapes, these easy off-ramps to ensure that I could get through the fast <laughs> and good health. But this time I said, God, I want to make it hurt. I want it to be something that would hurt me so bad that I would feel it real good. And not only that, but I want it to be something that would have the greatest impact on my spiritual life and my journey today. And almost without hesitation, something fell in my spirit and I got a nudge to give up something that surely would impact me. Coffee and dessert food. Oh, yeah. Grown with me, people. Grown with me. <laughs> You see, coffee was something that I had relied on daily, no matter what. I would have it at multiple points of the day. In fact, I depended on it uh, so much that I would plan my day around it the day before. I know, I know. <laughs> I would plan the night before I'm going to get up and I'm going to have a toasted almond coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. Or is your mouth watering yet? <laughs> uh, and then I would decide whether that day whether or not I'm going to have an additional cup of coffee uh, later that day and if it would be decaf or if I really need an extra punch to get me through the rest of the day. So then that was my second cup. You know, I relied on it because it, I felt like it had truly done a lot for me in my life. 
from picking me up and giving me that quick generation that I need, generating excitement for me throughout the rest of the day, bringing me comfort when I needed to experience comfort. And this also happened with dessert as well, bringing me comfort in the places where I need it and making me feel at ease when I need it to as well. When I began this journey and I decided to give up this, these two content, contents that had really high sugar, uh, a high level, a high volume of sugar, I thought, well, this will be a great opportunity for Pastor Donovan to lose a few pounds. I thought that I could trick the system somehow and say that I'll use it for, I use this season of fasting to drop pounds instead of really focusing on the spiritual things. Oh, but then God got a hold of me. And instead of losing the pounds that I so, uh, that I so badly wanted to lose, instead I was gifted with the gift of patience. Great, God. You're so wonderful. Patience. It's what I've always wanted. Patience. Not only was I gifted with the gift of patience, but I was also gifted with the gift of being still and knowing. And from my stillness, what I noticed was that I was less irritable. Not only was I less irritable, but I was more tolerant. I was able to also listen deeply, to pay attention more intently. And then I was also able to not rush to the places that I was headed during the day. That I could take my time and get there. But then also one of the most impactful things was my rest change. My I have received and have gotten the most rest that I, than I ever have in my entire life. This season has changed me drastically, but it was painful. I had an unhealthy attachment to coffee and a deep reliance on it. And it gave me this idea that it was bearing fruit, good fruit in my life, like those pick-me-ups and making me feel good and comforted. When really it wasn't because I would crash at the end of the day. It would make me feel horrible. Then I would get headaches and then I'd feel worse than when I started drinking coffee. It gave the appearance in my life as though it was bearing fruit or it was fruitful, but then it was not. And then I realized that I had a deep connection to it and I had a toxic toxic relationship with it. And then God sent me this stark reality. Is that in the season of Lent, we're meant to go deeper and we're meant to cut away and give up things. And that this Lenten process is a process where I'm being pruned and shaped and molded and cut back and having things taken away so that I could bear the fruit that God is truly calling me to bear and develop the fruit of the spirit that God truly seeks for me to have. I also realize that it's possible for us to be connected to some of the wrong things in our lives. That it's also possible for us to bear the wrong type of fruit, unhealthy fruit, if you will. And there are also some things that we can't produce on our own. Like if I wanted patience, I couldn't get it through coffee. But God revealed to me that it had to come through him first, through Jesus, being connected to Jesus. And then Jesus sends this message today because this is how funny God is. That I'm preaching a message on grapevines, one of the most... (laughs) Low-calorie fruits in the fruit family. God is hilarious. So Jesus encourages us to bear fruit and to bear fruit as we remain connected to him, remain connected to the true vine. Jesus in the scripture that was read for us is talking with his disciples. They were at one point in the upper room and they're on their way to the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would then be arrested, taken to jail, prison, whipped, beaten, and then crucified later. 
But on the in, in the in-between space, Jesus is passing by a garden, perhaps. That's what scripture leads us to believe. And he sees a grapevine and decides to continue his teaching for his disciples, to his disciples. You see, right before that, in the upper room and days before, Jesus had explained to his disciples how he was leaving this world and and was going to another world. He was going to an eternal place. And that we were promised with the Holy Spirit, that his disciples are promised with this indwelling of the Holy Spirit that would allow them to continue Jesus' ministry in the world. And not only would they be able to continue continue Jesus' ministry in the world, but they would begin to bear fruit in their lives. They would be able to heal people just like Jesus did. They would do the things that they saw Jesus do. But it was only going to come through remaining connected to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. That was That's what was promised. And then he moves into this dialogue as they are in passing on the way to the garden. He notices a vine and he gives this message on the true vine and what that means. Jesus takes time and he notices the vine and he makes the connections to how we are Jesus' disciples and we are to remain connected. And Jesus uses this metaphor this uses metaphor because this isn't something that is absent of scripture. Agriculture, the vine, fruit, branches, trees being planted and rooted is something that's not unfamiliar to scripture. In fact, from the very nature of creation, we see horticulture or agriculture. And so we see uh, uh, scripture serious about horticulture and agriculture and the world producing and producing good fruit. And trees and flowers coming from the earth. Jesus is pointing to a serious nature here. If you're not familiar with what horticulture is or agriculture is, at its basic level, it is the science or the art of cultivating fruits and vegetables and flowers or ornamental plants. There are about five subfields to horticulture or agriculture. And one of them is pomology. Pomology. And pomology is the study or the cultivation of fruits and vegetables. So Jesus points to the cultivation of fruits and vegetables. Because I think that he's on to something interesting here. He brings up the vine because the vine, as he notices, has very strong branches. This is something interesting about the vine or these branches. He points to them and says that this is a prolific plant. He helps us to understand that a vine uh, can be can uh, can branch and can produce hundreds of different branches. And those hundreds of different branches can bear thousands of fruit. It can carry hundreds of, of pieces of fruit at a time that not only are they strong in their wood nature, but they also can live quite a while. Minimally, they can live up to 25 years and max they can live up to 125 years. But the branches also have a, 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 a dark nature to them. They, the branches are actually quite wild. I'm not sure if you've ever grown vines before by show of hands. But branches and vines can actually get out of control. They can grow to be quite wild. So that's why there is the need for a vine dresser, one who can train and help the vine be cultivated and grow towards its intended purpose. Not to grow towards the ground but to grow upright and in a particular direction that will help the vine produce the most fruit. I think Jesus is on to something here. 
Jesus wants for us to, to, to have it be known in our hearts and in our minds that Jesus is unlike any other vine. That Jesus is unlike any other tree in the world. And that he is the true vine. That all of the prophets, the priests, and the kings that has come all throughout Israel and Jerusalem, Jesus says, I'm different. Through all of the Pharisees that are proclaiming and, and, and encouraging people to live and lead a different type of faith, Jesus says, don't listen to that because I am the true vine. That there are multiple types of vines, but I am the true vine. The one through which you get all of your sustenance and all of your joy and all of your nourishment. So that you can flourish in this life. He draws on the image and says that that God is the vine dresser and that Jesus himself is the primary source, the vine, which we receive all of what we need. And that we ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ are the branches and the branches represent the followers of Jesus who are called to bear fruit, not produce fruit. We're called to carry and to have and to hang on us and with us and near us fruit. That's beneficial for others in life. Jesus is saying, as you remain connected to the vine, you will receive the nourishment and all that you need to bear the fruit that hangs from your person, that hangs from your being. Jesus wants us to know something deep here. But beyond this, I think that there are three things that I think Jesus is begging for us to know as he is preaching to his disciples about how he is the true vine in life. And I think it's relevant to us today. Do you mind if I share them? Well, number one, I think that Jesus wants us to know where this scripture can help us to understand that Jesus is the ultimate source to a productive life on the vine. And Jesus is the ultimate source to a productive life in the body. You see, being on the vine requires that we expect to be pruned and to be cleansed. And Jesus says that the pruning and the cleansing comes from God, the one who planted and rooted the branch itself or the seed itself. And that our responsibility is to grow alongside the vine and to stay and remain connected to the vine so that we can bear the fruit. But then it's God's job to do the pruning, the cutting away. It's God, it's God's job to do the, the work of pruning in the heart and in the spirit and soul and mind of the disciple. Not anything else, but it's God who does that work. For the modern day disciple, this is a call for us to be pruned and cleansed as we have our heart searched, as we have our heart filled with convictions about who God is and what God is doing in the world, about new revelation and new things that God is wanting to do in us and around us about renewing and transforming our mind and our hearts, taking away our heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. That's God's job, the pruner, to cut away, to pull up, to tend to the work and the nature of the disciple, to establish us so that we can bear fruit. The ultimate source of a productive life on the vine also calls for us not to only be pruned, but to also understand that abiding is an essential part of the process. It is essential. It is an essential part of bearing fruit itself. Abiding. We don't use that language today. In fact, it's a bit foreign to us. But abiding simply means to live day by day in union and communion with God. It is to live in close fellowship with God and to remain deeply connected to God and to be deeply connected to Jesus 
so that we could get from Jesus what Jesus promises that we will get if we remain connected, which is spiritual fruit. When we remain connected and when we abide, it looks like prayer and worship and reading scripture and understanding who God is in scripture and through scripture. And not only reading scripture, but to have scripture do a bit of reading of us as well. To live in obedience to God, to trust God with all that we do and all of who we are, to trust in how God wants and how God is wanting to shape us and mold us. So that we too could grow up to 80 feet and live to and live a life that bears fruit for 25 up to 125 years. So we rely on God's strength as we are abiding with him. And then also be open to being pruned so that God could work us towards our intended purpose. I think that's what Jesus means. That a fruitful life spent on the vine is living with the expectation that we will be pruned and that we will be cleansed. But then also gives us the opportunity and the call to abide. The second thing I think Jesus wants us to get from this text today and the scripture begs of us to understand is that Jesus is the ultimate source of a life that bears fruit. Write this stuff down. Number one, Jesus is the ultimate source of a productive life on the vine. And then number two, Jesus is the ultimate source of a life that bears fruit. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. That's what the scripture says. That's what Jesus wants for his disciples to know. That it will, that we will be presented with other types of branches and vines in our lives. That we will be even um, called and tempted to be planted in different places. That we sometimes will vacillate between being connected and not connected. Between being in and then going out. But Jesus calls for us to bear fruit from a connected, deeply connected life. And that from it, we can bear fruit that is, number one, pleasing to God, but then also beneficial to others. That we develop the spiritual fruit that's necessary to live a life that produces the fruit of godliness, of peace, patience, kindness, joy, long-suffering, self-control, wisdom from God, being a strong witness for Christ, being effective in our ministry, being effective parents and guardians in our homes, being effective grandparents. Being effective effective leaders and managers on our jobs, effective witnesses of God that people clearly see that there's fruit being worked in and born of us. But then also fruit that benefits others, not just of service, but fruit of being able to forgive one another, being able to speak the truth in power, to in, but also in love. Being able to hold each other accountable in Christian love, that's the life that we're called to of a life that bears fruit. And then lastly, that God is serious about wanting to transform our lives and our hearts and our character. That's what pruning is for. You see, it is God who has always been in charge of the vineyard from planting to maturation to pruning and ripening. It is God who is doing the work as we're being connected. And God prunes us because there are things in our lives that we perhaps may be connected to that may drain us, that may need to be cut away so that we can grow into that which we're called to be. You see, cutting away has a goal. Pruning has a goal. It is God begging and asking for us, asking for us to allow God to take away the things so that he could add, so that God could add. Like, let me take away the bad so that I can replace it with good. 
Let me take away, take away the root of bitterness so I can replace it with a heart of forgiveness. Let me take away a hatred so that I can produce love in you. Let me take away fear so that I can produce it with faith. Let me take away anxiety and pain so that I can replace it with joy and peace. The fruits of the spirit that God seeks to bear in our lives, but only first being connected, but then also pruned. Lastly, as an illustration, have you all heard of sucker shoots or suckers, tree suckers? No? Okay, a few of us. In the process of gardening, particularly with fruit plants um, or fruit trees, there is a thing called a sucker shoot that grows onto the branches. And sucker shoots are smaller branches that grow onto the bigger branches. Remember, Jesus calls us branches. And these little branches that grow on fruit trees and fruit vines um, actually have a purpose, or they don't. You can determine. These sucker shoots or these suckers grow onto the branches after finding a space uh, where they can grow because they've been these uh, these raw marks on the branch have been watered and fertilized and fed, and then from it grows these little branches, and they present as though they're going to bear fruit, but they do not. They're actually pretty toxic to the fruit plant or to the fruit trees. So these sucker shoots and these sucker branches are false. They're fake branches. They don't bear fruit. They're never intended to bear fruit, but they give the idea as though they're going to bear fruit. For me, that's coffee (laughs) in a funny way. But there are other things like not being as patient or loving and forgiving. And with sucker shoots, you have to cut them off at their root because what they do is they drain the life from the actual branch. Remember, we're the branch. They drain and they suck the energy and the life from the branch. They never bear fruit, but they take away all of the nutrients in the branch. All of the nutrients so that the branch eventually dies. And that's what God is talking about when he says that those dead branches that's going to be pruned and taken away, those are going to be the ones that are unuseful for this, this life on the vine. And so I don't know what it is in your life today. I know what it is for me. But we pray that God trims us, takes the fat away, takes the sucker shoots away so that we can continue to be fruit and branches that live on a productive vine because that's the call. Amen.